Outside of radio, Susanna has a long career as a Pacific performing arts producer and an actor, and she runs an art studio in Onihanga named Laka. A bold new book has just been released, spanning six decades of contributions from Pacific artists to New Zealand, Oceania and the world. It's called Pacific Arts Aotearoa and it's been designed by Creative New Zealand with Penguin Books to celebrate the organisation's first Pacific art strategy. Susanna Leatoa spoke with the book's editor, Dr Lana Lepesi, for Culture 101. Talofa Lana. Talofa. Congratulations on Pacific Arts Aotearoa. Thank you. How significant is this book? I will let other people tell me how significant it is, but it has been a huge um, lift from an incredible team of people for three years to kind of put it into a bit of perspective. Um, We have over 120 different voices, 300 photographs is the the count I got from um, the incredible project manager, Faith Wilson, 500 over 544 pages. So I think that kind of tells us something about the the size and scale of it. So how significant has it been for you to work on this book as its editor? I, um, you know, I was kind of uh, invited into the project by Makarita Yorale from Creative New Zealand, who's the senior manager of Pacific Arts there, when it was a much smaller digital project um, and never would have imagined myself in this kind of role on a book of this scale. But, you know, it's been just such a privilege and an honour to work with so many artists um, to tell their story. It feels like a huge moment um, in that respect. And I think, yeah, I've just learned a lot from everyone. So, you know, as a personal milestone, it's incredibly significant. Let's talk about how the book came about because COVID contributed to its early online presence. Yes, uh, the dreaded C word. Um, So when we first got locked down, that very first lockdown, I got a call from um, Makarita who um, had such an incredible heart thinking about all of the artists who had lost work and um, sort of asked me what I thought about this, this idea that she had, which was essentially a digital storytelling project um, where we could make use of the time that artists had at home uh, to tell their stories um, from you know their own vantage point, which is not something that artists often get the opportunity to do, um, as well as create an opportunity for artists to have some work. And so it started off as a project where we commissioned 10 artists to tell their stories, and that was quickly doubled to 20. Um, and that was published on Panagraph Punch. And we had Sean Naufahu, who is the incredible creative mind behind um, the design of the book. He created a typeface to sort of uh, house the project. From there, it grew to 40 online uh, stories. And we had uh, Langi Mama come in and commission some stories from our mamas and papas. And then from there, it became uh, came this book. So that's quite a growth. Over what period of time? <laughs> so that's over three years. Yeah, so it started in, in 2021. Let's continue with talking about the process of bringing this together as an editor. And then let's talk about how it fits with your wider body of work. So where do you start? Because starting with a dozen <laughs> artists and ending up with 128 is quite a significant difference. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we just started with um, we just started with artists. We reached out to a whole bunch of people. We really wanted to make sure we had a range of voices. So our elder artists, you know, these really kind of important um, people who really inspired Pacific Arts as a whole. Um, we wanted to make sure we had people from different art forms. Uh, from around the country, from different island groups, representing different ability levels, sexualities, genders. Um, so we kind of grew out from that way. Um, and the artist stories have always been the center of the project. So around that, what we did was we kind of built a narrative spine. So there are 12 chapters that sort of help to support the artist stories. And then we have various experts who have written on either things like art forms or exhibitions or um, kind of moments, themes, again, to sort of support those artists' voices. Um, but really it was through the stories of the artists that we worked out what else was needed. So I think it's such a, um, you know, as an editor, there's a desire to want to control everything or to come up with the idea in your own mind and then fit the, the written pieces into that. When you ask artists to write their stories, you don't know what you're going to get. And that's kind of the the really exciting um, thing about working with people who are so creatively minded. Um, but that helped us uh, create a structure for the rest of the book. Were there surprises? There were a lot of surprises. Um, you know, we didn't ask artists to sort of tell your story or write art history. It was just, here is some space what do you want to say? And I think you never know what that's going to be. So some people focused on um, really specific moments of their career. So John Poulet, for example, a lot of people know him for his paintings, but he focused on uh, the story of his poetry um, when he first started um, writing poetry and how he discovered poetry. And I think that's such an important part of his story to be told. And then we had people like uh, Linda Lepeau, who... Uh, in the final book actually redacted a lot of their piece too which is um, I think such a beautiful way to tell her story so I think those kinds of things you just don't know what's going to happen but um, they sort of just feel exactly as they're supposed to be. To coin a phrase from Aotearoa's oldest MP this is not your first rodeo you're recognised as a celebrated writer and critic and an artist too. What are Moana art histories? Ooh, I think they're the stories of our artists and our kind of art, our art making uh, processes and practices. Uh, in this context, specifically in Aotearoa, they're kind of rich, they're complicated, they're multi-layered, and they're probably different depending on who you are. You note in the book an ominous sense that our own stories, our histories might disappear from memory before we have even assessed their significance. Could you elaborate more on that? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, when we look in, in the book, but just generally the creative contribution that Pacific artists have made to New Zealand nationally is profound. And yet we have been underrepresented in uh, historical discourses across every art form. Um, when we started the book, Johnny Penisola, for example, an elder artist from Southland, was still with us. Um, he he passed away when we were in the editing phase. Lily Leiter, again, another incredible 
celebrated painter and art teacher, passed away um, just a few weeks ago before the book was able to um, come out. Um, and so I think, you know, we do risk losing the stories of our artists and our art forms in the memories of people um, because I don't think that we've been given serious consideration. And so that was a huge part of this book too, was that um, when Creative New Zealand held Whanua across the country to inform their Pacific art strategy from 2018 to 2023, uh, the community really felt like they didn't have um, a significant book or that uh, their stories weren't sufficiently recorded. And so this is a chance to, um, you know, do some of that work. I think there's still a lot to be done. Every artist in this book could have their own book of this size. And I, I think that's sort of where we're at with our stories and the need to record them so that um, other people have access to them and the future generations have access to them too. Let's look more at this space, Pacific Arts in Aotearoa and what is understood as New Zealand art. Is there a separation? I think there is. I think every artist would define it in their own way. Um, I think Pacific art forms are not divorced from our everyday life. So, of course, we have artists who paint and create sculpture and theatre and dance and literature in the Western sense, but we also have... Uh, makers in the home, we have weavers, we have tattooists, we have, uh, you know, dancers who perform at weddings, we have people who make carved keys for your 21st. Um, and I think the full, that, that full range, that's what Pacific Arts is. It's um, the way in which we express ourselves culturally through things more than just, um, you know, the spoken word or whatever, whatever it may be. Artists themselves deal with these kind of categories not every artist um, sort of uh, gets pigeonholed or, you know, has their ethnic identity become a part of the conversation um, of being an artist. And, and we do have Pacific artists that kind of deal with that discussion directly. Um, but, yeah, I think, I'm not sure if I've quite got, got your question there, but I think um, it's, a, it's a wide and it's sort of a contested category at the same time. Does one have to have... Pacific Whakapapa in order to be included in the Pacific arts genre, if we can call it that. Can we call it that? Uh, I would say so. I, I think in terms of how we're discussing Pacific arts um, in Pacific arts Aotearoa, it's anything made by a Pacific person. Um, and so in that way, what it looks like is completely, you know, wide open um, versus art that may look Pacific, like Pacific art, but not be made by someone of Pacific descent. In saying that, there are an incredible amount of um, collaborators, uh, you know, and allies who have supported Pacific artists and arts um, the entire time. We see that throughout the book. So that's not to diminish the contribution of others. Um, but in, in this collection, we're definitely centering the work of those uh, with Pacific Gaffa themselves. I'm thinking about the relationship between what's identified as Pacific arts in Aotearoa and what's identified as New Zealand art and whether or not Pacific arts actually dominate New Zealand art at this point and if that time's already arrived. I think, um, 
I, I would say yes, definitely. I mean, if we look last year, we had the New Zealand representative at Venice Biennale was Yuki Kihara, Samoan uh, transgender artist, and then um, another kind of big uh, art platform documenter. We had Faf Swag over there. Uh, Tanu Ngango was showing uh, in film festivals across the world. Paris Goebel, you know, is uh, choreographing the halftime show at the Super Bowl. So. Um, I think we are everywhere. And, and this kind of speaks to your other question before in terms of, you know, that these stories might go unacknowledged um, in terms of we're already there, but who was there to kind of uh, remember it or document it or to, to almost, you know, give us the credit that we deserve for already kind of being in these spaces. You know, I, I would say that uh, Pacific artists are real, uh, really add a kind of vibrancy to what we might think of as New Zealand art. Um, and we should be considered in that kind of wider art category as well as within our own spaces too. Because the names and the events that you've just referenced are also in the capacity as representative in some way of New Zealand, aren't they? Exactly. And, and I think that goes back to um, a quote in the in the beginning from Carl Kulosu Enderman, who sort of says that the arts is one of the areas in which Pacific people aren't in the deficit in New Zealand, you know, meaning that I think we kind of pull our weight far above. Um, we, we, we're, we're almost overrepresented in a sense. Um, and so I think, you know, that's something really exciting, really exciting to be um, celebrated. And I think it also calls the need for a more serious attention to, you know, why is it that um, Pacific people are doing so well in these creative spaces? It also highlights something that you and I understand as members of as identifiable and identified members of Pacific communities here in Aotearoa, that cultural activity, cultural practice, cultural focus within Pacific communities here in Aotearoa do have art practices at their centre, at their heart, but they may not necessarily be articulated that way and therefore not understood outside of our communities. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of reminds me of another piece um, in the book by opera singer Jonathan Lemalu and he's sort of is talking about you know why is it that there are so many uh, Pacific opera singers in New Zealand but also across the globe and he's saying you know if you really break down what the form of opera is it's oratory and that's a cultural practice and so uh, you kind of can see the way that um, the way that our cultural worlds are naturally as performers or comedians or uh, weavers or whatever it may be extends into the creative practice too. RNZ National Culture 101. I'm speaking with Dr. Lana Lopesi, editor of Pacific Arts Aotearoa, published by Penguin Random House New Zealand. Lana, you're not speaking to me from within the motu of Aotearoa, though, are we today? No, I am from, I'm calling in from Eugene, Oregon. And this is because you're Assistant Professor in the Department of Indigenous Race and Ethnic Studies at the University of Oregon. Yes. How is the Moana from your vantage point right now on the Pacific Northwest? Oh, it is different. <laughs> it's colder up here for starters. Um, but yeah, I'm here uh, teaching Pacific Studies at uh, the university within the Ethnic Studies Department. And, um, you know, I feel actually looking looking back at New Zealand, where we do make up a, a much more significant part of the population in comparison to here in the US. I feel very grateful for what I grew up in um, and 
yeah, actually missing the Pacific art scene right now. I'm sure you are, especially right now as the book is being received into everyone's <laughs> hot hands. Why are you there? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, I never thought I would leave New Zealand, but the, an opportunity came up and I just needed to know that I could. And then before I knew it, I was having to go over to my parents' house and tell them that I was going to be um, leaving New Zealand. So um, the job called and I, I took up the uh, I took up the call. Is the Moana still the Moana from that, from that edge, from that coast to you? It is to me. But, you know, I think when you grow up as a Pacific person in New Zealand, you learn how to be in relation to Māori, right, as a kind of guest there. And, and I'm learning how to be a guest in a new home. Um, here I'm on the Kalapuya lands. Uh, so it's still the Moana, but uh, the other people who I share the ocean with, with are different and they have their own relationship to it. You're also part of the US aspect of the Pacific diaspora. How's that informing your work? I think it's helping me uh, think about diaspora in a in a different way. You know, it's that kind of thing you don't really. It's it's hard to see yourself, uh, or it's to see your context when you're in there. And having uh, come into another diasporic population, which is very similar but also very different at the same time, uh, really makes me think about you know what makes New Zealand-born Pacific people, um, New Zealand Pacific Islanders. You know, we don't really talk about ourselves that way whereas here they you know it's kind of a pacific pacific american so yeah i think it's just you know i don't have any solid thoughts yet but i'm definitely just observing and noticing differences what's next you're so widely published in australia and new zealand do you think that you'll return to your own art practice or do you continue it but just very quietly while you report on everybody else's what are your next steps (laughs) You know, my art practice has turned into PowerPoint slides and ula lollies for my students, which, um, you know, it's it's a bit different to what I was trained to do at Elam, but it's one way to, um, I suppose, both keep my hands busy and give um, give things to, you know, the, the students who spend uh, long periods of time with me. Um, what's next? I'm trying to get tenure. You know, this academic system is a bit different. I... I want to publish more of it um, of my own work, but I think right now I just want to celebrate with everyone, hear what they have to say about the book, and um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm I'm passing it on to audiences, and and they can tell us what they think about it. Just to finish, Lana, when you think about, or when you feel about, maybe that's another way to take this. This volume, Pacific Arts Aotearoa, in 2023, what are your hopes for Pacific Arts and Pacific Artists in Aotearoa? I hope that we have another incredible 60 years. I also hope that it, you know, it it doesn't take this long to have another volume like this. I'm really excited to see you know, what the younger artists are doing. I think a lot of the hang-ups that I had and my peers had and people before me had, I don't think I, I kind of felt in the same way. And I'm I'm really excited for, you know, Pacific Arts Aotearoa in the future and to see what that looks like. Um, that's kind of what inspires me and keeps me going. When you say hang-ups, what do you mean? 
I think the sort of uh, the feeling of needing to negotiate two worlds, the pressure of the label Pacific art, um, you know, fighting against what maybe people expect Pacific arts to be doing versus what people want to do, those kinds of things. I, there seems to be much more of a freedom, I would say, with the, a younger generation of artists that, you know, are so confident in themselves and confident in their identities. And I think they, they're really pushing not just the Pacific art category, but just like what it means to be a Pacific person in really exciting ways. And congratulations once again and hoping that you can feel all of the strong and positive and exciting vibes that are beginning to surface and reverberate here with the, with the release of this huge and very beautiful book. Thank you, Susanna. Indeed. Thank you, Susanna Latoa from RNZ. That was Susanna with Dr. Lana Lupisi in conversation about the newly published book Pacific Arts Aotearoa, which is out with Crave New Zealand and Penguin Books.